Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode. Welcome back to another week. Um, I'm going to be completely upfront as I'm recording this. My energy levels are so low. It's unreal. Um, We've just had, uh, Olivia's just turned seven. We've had a birthday party for her and honestly it was one of the most chaotic but so much fun. Um, she really enjoyed it. She rated the day a 10 out of 10. And that's what life is all about. But my gosh, am I still knackered from it? Or should I say naked? I'm still so naked from the weekend. It's unbelievable. But um, it was just good old seven-year-old fun. And that's what I think, that's what life is all about, to be honest with you. So yeah, the show must go on. So here I am recording another episode. And before I continue, I just wanted to say great big thank you for all the downloads that I've gotten. When I tell you the number, you might think, oh my gosh, is that it? But for me, it's a big deal. Um, We've got over 200 downloads. Now, I know that doesn't sound like much to any of you guys, but the fact that I thought that it was only going to be my family who were going to be listening to me, obviously I'm gassed, obviously I'm a celebrity, nobody make eye contact with me. I'm going to have sunglasses on even at night time. Like, are you guys mad? Do over 200 downloads. Are you guys all right? I'm going to start acting different. You watch. But thank you so much. I'm so grateful. Keep listening. Keep sharing. Like, if you don't share it, share it. Don't be selfish. Don't be rude. Don't be shady. Share it with everybody so that so we can get even more downloads, a little bit more visibility. But grateful. Thank you so much. And welcome back to If I Didn't Laugh, I'd Cry. I am gonna get something off my chest and I'm gonna say it with my chest, right? Inflation. I think I've mentioned it a little a couple of times here and there, but come on, what is that all about? What is inflation all about? I am sick and tired of my card doing beep, beep. I am sick of using contactless because I've got no choice. But then the, the amount, the sheer amount that I'm spending, I'm sorry. I don't even have that in my account. <laughs> like, what's going on? Petrol, why is it costing this much? 
I'm just, I'm just so tired. I'm sick of it. I don't want to have inflation anymore. I enjoyed my furlough money. I'm going to be honest. I got put on furlough. Yeah, so during lockdown, I was on furlough and I enjoyed that little furlough money. But right now, I'm not loving life. I'm not loving the fact that we've got to pay it back amongst other reasons, obviously. Paying for these number 10 parties. But I'm not going to get into that. That's not my rant. My rant is inflation. Stop it. Don't love it. Very broke. You're making me want to cry. Please don't. And now we're moving into the next segment. It's another solo episode. Did I even already say that? It's another solo episode today. So if you're expecting a hotshot top guest, it's just me. Wah, wah, wah. Another another solo episode. Sorry to disappoint you. But you should get used to it by now. Yeah, get used to my voice. You know me. I love, I love a little chat. You know what I mean? So strap in. I have got an embarrassing, if I didn't laugh, I'd cry story for all of you. And it goes a little bit in theme to what it is that I'm going to be talking about today. Um, Some people may already know this, but I don't think most do. When I first came to the UK, you know, I got the shock of my life when I looked around and nobody had the same kind of hair that I did. Like, you know what I mean? Not only were their skin colors different and their eye colors were a little bit different, you know, most of them were looking a little bit blue, you know, but the hair was also different. Now, my hair type is quite kinky, quite coily. So any direction I shape it, my hair goes in that direction and it stays in that direction. Do you know what I mean? So boom, I'm in the UK now. I'm in year five. And I see every single day white girls putting their hair behind their ears. Every single time they're doing a little bit of work in their workbooks, hair behind their ears, tucking it behind their ears. Every single time we're doing painting, it was just a tucking game, yeah? And I was jealous. I was so jealous. I'll say it with my chest. I was jealous. I had no hair to tuck. My coily kinky hair didn't need tucking because it wasn't it wasn't draping my face like that. But oh my gosh, I was so desperate to tuck my hair. So desperate. So I noticed that whenever I went to the toilet, there would be like, oh, nobody judge me. There's no one here to laugh with me or laugh at me. So this is even cringier. So I noticed that every time I go to the toilet, there is some hair from these white girls that's falling out in the sink. And I thought, oh, man, that's crazy. Like, I could just take some of that and stick it on my head and I could be tucking. <laughs> I could start tucking my head. So I would ask to go to the toilet. You know, it became an addiction. You know how, like, <laughs> some people get addicted to meth. Some people get addicted to heroin. I got addicted to tucking, falling out, white girl hair behind my ears. I would ask, can I please go to the toilet? And I would be in that toilet. I would make sure I make my two minutes count. Oh my gosh. I wouldn't even need a wee sometimes. I wouldn't even need to use the toilet sometimes. I would just go to them toilets, find the that hair that's falling out, stick it on my head, and I would just look in the mirror and tuck. <laughs> For the whole of my toilet trip, I'll just be tucking. 
then it would be time to go. So I'll take it all out and then I'll discard of it. But how disgusting is that? <laughs> how disgusting and how so very cringe is that? Like, I did manage to rope somebody into doing it. It was another black girl. She had moved to the UK after the me, after me. And um, I remember one time we were in the toilets together. Me and her became friends and we we're in the toilets together. And I was telling her, I felt I could trust her, basically. I could trust her. So I brought her into my little secret operation. <laughs> and to my surprise, she did it too. She she was loving a little bit or tucking behind the ear. Oh, my gosh. I had, I had the best times in the toilet doing that. But then now, in hindsight, that is so disgusting. Guys, something exciting has happened, right? We have got stories, yeah? People have decided to email in. Thank God for that, because I was getting a little bit desperate making these appeals, like some pastor in the church wanted to win some souls. <laughs> May I've been making these appeals, and finally, we've got some emails. So I'm going to read out a couple of, if I didn't laugh, I'd cry stories, embarrassing ones. And uh, yeah, we can depict, depict? Pick it apart. We can pick it apart together and laugh together, even though it's just me talking to this mic and to you guys. Anyway, I'm going to start deepening it too much and then my brain's going to break. Anyway, so this says, in year four, I was in an English lesson with a really grumpy teacher. Like one of those who you look at and you're like, you've got no business teaching in a primary school. But you look back and like maybe he just wasn't good enough to get into secondary school teaching. But anyway... Kind of like your story where your teacher wouldn't let you go to the toilet. Um, he wouldn't let me. So um, on episode two, uh, CB's episode, I kind of like told her a story about being in a German lesson, having too much fun at lunchtime, forgot to go to the toilet. Now I'm in this lesson and the teacher just won't let me go to the toilet. She just wouldn't. Oh, I need to remember her name because I want to call her out. <laughs> Petty. Yes, I'm petty. I want to call her out. But anyway, carrying on the story. The teacher was all about, you should have gone during your break. As if eight-year-olds are super aware of their needs to forgo playing to self-analyze. So, I'm forced to hold it in. And then he has the audacity to pick on me during lesson. Anyway, I ask a few more times later on in the lesson, clearly desperate, and he continues to deny me, gatekeeping the toilet as if it could only be used a certain number of times a day. Eventually, I can't hold on and it trickles out of me and I'm just sat in this plastic chair in a pool of my own wee. Ew. <laughs> and as if he's the devil himself, the exact moment I'm done weeing, he says, oh yeah, you can go toilet now, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and the stories this is the exact words thanks you prick <laughs> but i couldn't say nah i don't need it anymore that's too bait so i pushed my chair back real slow angled it so that i could make it clear getaway and dashed <laughs> that's jokes naruto arms and everything I got into the toilet. I got to the toilet and stood in front of the mirror, prophesying my social descent into laughing stock dom. And just then I had an idea. Turn on the faucet and angle the water to splash me all over. When I got back into class, I walked in, daring someone to ask why I'm so wet. 
No one did. Unfortunately, it was rare hot sunny day, so it all dried up over lunchtime. I mean, that is such a good idea. <laughs> but the thing is, this writer, right? So I'm just gonna address this right as you. You write that it's like my story where I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to go to the toilet. I mean. The difference is, it's a big, massive difference. And I'm just going to like, it's something that stood out for me. So I'm just going to say how it's coming to me. Um, You didn't have a holly saying, what are you doing? If it wasn't for that meddling kid, I would have gotten away with it. So it's not the same because you had this sick idea and you got away with it, right? How no one smelt it. I'm so shocked <laughs> because if it was a rare, hot, sunny day, then that piss must have been stinking hmm? that we must have been fragranting in the in the in the classroom a little bit but no one picked up on it now nah, you got away lucky am i resentful yes am i jealous that you got away with it yes i am do i wish i would have gotten away with it 100 am i gonna congratulate you for getting away with it don't bet your life on it you got away <laughs> no i'm just kidding fair play fair play you got away with it I wish I was you. I've got another story. When I was in school, I had a crush on this girl. Let's call her Rachel. I never really spoke to Rachel that much in, when in school. One school night, Rachel randomly asked me on Twitter. Hey, big head. I was gassed. But Twitter being public in the bait space, I kept the convo cool and redirected it to the DMs. Hmm. <laughs> Fast forward a month of speaking, I felt it was the right time to take it to the next level and ask her to be my girlfriend. Too soon, you think? Not in my delusional world. I had everything mapped out how I was going to ask her, including contingency plans marked to a T. It's a bright and sunny day on the day of operation, refine Rachel's relationship status. I mean, you were serious. You were serious. My first plan was to approach her after school by the gates for phase one. Last side note, one of her friends knew the agenda and was eager to be involved and help out. In hindsight, I figured Rachel probably knew what was happening all along. <laughs> so we're all outside the school gates and Rachel is taking her time. Convo with this person, convo with that person. Some may call it stalling. <laughs> you think finally Rachel and her friend who's in on it approach me and out of nowhere a downpour of rain hits us before I even utter a word everyone including Rachel and her friend scatter for the bus and Rachel turns around and shouts in the distance sorry got to go <laughs> as I'm left stood still in the rain processing my failed attempt just to top it off Forgot my bus pass and I had to walk home in the rain, pondering my L. <sighs> I never did ask Rachel out the way I initially intended. I did ask her out eventually. All I can say about her response is, if I didn't laugh, I'd cry. I... <laughs> I'm guessing she said no. I'm guessing Rachel said, nah, right? That downpour of, pour of rain was probably a bad omen for Rachel. And Rachel knew that you and her weren't going to work out so... I mean, I feel like I feel like everything happens for a reason anyway, but that is embarrassing because she probably did already know because her friend Defo did tell her to be like, oh, just act surprised, but I just thought I should let you know because which who doesn't do that, right? Everybody does that, right? Right? She definitely knew and she planned her answer. That reminds me, actually. 
when I was growing up, I had this guy who was into me. He was so into me. Oh my gosh. I don't know why, because I think I used to be a proper tomboy, like by proper, do people still use the word tomboy? What do Gen Z say nowadays? Do they say like, I don't know what they say, but I used to be a tomboy. Um, if you're from the nineties, you're born in the nineties, then, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. So there was this guy who really, really fancied me and he would write the letters. He would write me letters and he would put, would you go out with me? And he would put a box to tick yes and a box to tick no. And I constantly made my own box and I ticked maybe, oh, I'll think about it. You know what I mean? I'd write my own like choice down. And I'll be honest, I wasn't thinking about anything. The answer was always a no. Like I just didn't want to break his heart. So I just. I just did that instead for years and years. He used to knock at the door sometimes and break dance for me. I feel like maybe it went downhill being treated wrong because I didn't accept that guy who was going to treat me right. I mean, who else is going to knock at your door and break dance for you? Think about it and write your letters and poems. Think about that. But yeah, thank you for listening to the embarrassing if I didn't laugh, I'd cry moments. Don't forget to write in if I didn't laugh, I'd cry at gmail.com. Come on, just write it the once and you don't have to write it again. It's actually that simple. But if you enjoy listening to some of these If I Didn't Laugh I'd Cry stories, we'll keep it anonymous. Please write in. And yeah, like I said, let's laugh at your expense. <laughs> so the time has come for me to share my, my own story, my own words. So like I said, we're going to go take it to the beginning. But I think I'm going to take it to the beginning where I actually think I started paying attention to life and what was happening in my life. Do you know what I mean? You know, I was still a minor, so I was still going along with everything that my parents were saying and we were doing. But I think this is when I kind of like really tuned in to everything that was happening. So it's the year 2001, but I think it was actually started in 2000, year 2000. And, you know, I had moved to boarding school and I've got three siblings, two brothers and a sister, an older brother, then it's my sister, then it's me, then it's my younger brother. My older brother and my sister were in boarding school and I got so jealous, I really wanted to go to boarding school. So my parents finally sent me to boarding school and I hated it. I hated every single minute of it. It's one of those, you know what, if you ever want to go boarding school, ever want to send your children to boarding school, make sure you find out who they are in life. In it. Make sure you, you get a feel of who they are because I didn't like being told what to do. I didn't like waking up early. Um, it was a Christian boarding school that we went to. So we had like morning prayers. We had evening prayers. We just had, it was full on. Yeah. So I didn't, I'm not a morning person as it is. So I didn't really enjoy the morning wake up calls so that we can go to like praise and worship and prayer time. I just hated it. I just used to fall asleep. And on top of that, I feel like I was in my sibling's shadow. Um, I don't really think I was much of an academic. I don't think I've ever been much of an academic, really. But being in boarding school made me realize how much I just hate studying. <laughs> like I hate it. <laughs> We used to have designated study sessions, which I would just fall asleep in. I don't know how I managed to come number one um, in my school, in my class. Yeah. Or I should I say in my year so that it's relatable. I became number one in my year. And what this means is um, in the UK, you've got like top set and bottom set. 
Whereas in, in Malawi, there was a top performing student who was number one. And then whatever number it went up to, the bottom performing student would be called number 56. If it's 56 people in that year, you'd be number 56. And I don't know how I came number one. So, you know, have some respect, people. There is some, I do have a little bit of a, of a cleverness inside me. A little bit of smart. All right. So I cried most of my uh, boarding school time. And I remember my mom coming to visit and I used to just be like, take me with you. And she just, she just never did. Because I think my parents at some point got tired of my shit because I was that person and I was that girl who enjoyed, loved the idea of things. Sleepover, oh my God, sign me up. When we get to the sleepover, I'm already crying my eyes out. I miss home. Why did I come here? So boarding school, I thought, my if if my brother or my sister can do it, surely I can. So they signed me up and off I went. Didn't love it. They did the same thing when I begged, literally pleaded, take me out of private school, put me in a public school. They did it, hated it. Honestly, <laughs> I was just a mess. So my mum refused to take me back home. I was trapped in that prison, in that Christian prison. So it felt like, anyway... I hear now, before I had moved to boarding school, I heard that we were going to move. But then in my head, it was going to, we were going to be moving to uh, Kenya. I didn't realise that there was a country or a land even called United Kingdom and England. I didn't, that, that didn't even register. I was just thinking, we're moving to Kenya. I'd heard about Kenya. So in my head, that was the foreign land that we were going to move to. So I'm in boarding school now. And then my mum actually pulls me out of boarding school I'm thinking finally finally what kept you so long do you hate me like it was just why why did you take so long but this was to do like get ready for basically moving right and I remember actually I vaguely remember doing a lot of like biometrics taking pictures and things like that when I was going to that public school you know the one that I begged to go to yeah I remember going to with my dad to places to take pictures and things like that. So I think it was like a build-up of relocating. But I don't think my mind ever registered exactly what it is that was happening. So now I'm out of boarding school. We're now living with my um with my auntie, my mum's older sister, because we're getting ready to come here. And then, you know, I remember going to talk to my dad all the time on the phone and not really having much to say because I was young and just saying, Dada, I miss you. Basically, you know, I wasn't really speaking English. It was like, Dada, which is basically, I miss you, dad. But not really understanding what was going on either. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, the time came where now we're moving. Still don't know what's going on, not understanding everything. And I just remember going to the airport. I remember, um, you know, waiting for a little bit. And then I remember looking back, waving at my grandmother in the window. And that was the last time I ever saw her. Because from that time, from that moment, I've never gone and visited my grandmother since then. And it's a damn shame and it's so sad. But, you know, stick with the story. You're going to understand why that's never happened, really. But that's the last thing I remember is waving my mum's mum goodbye. We're now in the 
in the plane. And I remember me and my little brother being so, oh, we were in awe. We were like bloody kids on Duracell batteries. We were up and down and it was just the sheer excitement. Just in hindsight now, remember thinking back and remembering like. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I didn't know that my life was about to change. And I don't think I realized exactly what it is that was happening, but it was so exciting to be on an aeroplane. You know, it's something that I've just been looking at up at the sky and I've just been looking at it, going past my house every day. Suddenly I'm in one of them. I was so, like my mind was blown. Um, And I remember seeing like, I would say like white people in close proximity for a prolonged period of time for the first time as well so it was a lot of firsts a lot of firsts I remember there was this guy who was sitting right there next to the window and we were flying over some waterfall I don't remember which one and my mum was all like oh come and see this waterfall and she's looking at it and I'm thinking I don't know what I'm looking at it all just looks like clouds to me so I had to pretend (laughs) so now I remember now the woman the flight so is it called a stewardess? I think it's called a stewardess, but I could be wrong. Are they called stewardesses? Flight attendants? I think it's called a flight attendant. This is how you know I haven't traveled. I don't know what they're called. Stewards? Or is that for a shit? <laughs> Conductors? I'm just kidding. I think they're called flight attendants. So the flight attendant will come over. And I remember now, right, hearing the English language, oh, you, they were speaking fast. Would you look at the oranges? I'm thinking, what? Would you look at the oranges? And I'm, I, every single thing that a white British person said to me was too fast. Every single thing that any English speaking person said to me was way too fast. I was looking at my mum every single time, right? <laughs> it was wow. So I remember trying orange juice like this um, or this edgy. I don't know if you know what I mean by edgy orange juice. You know, the one, the one we drink for breakfast, that one, the really nice one. I remember drinking that for the first time, really. And thinking this tastes anging. It just tastes nasty because I was so used to having a drink called Sobo. It was like a squash, but it was, mm, it was good. It was nice, right? The sweetness was there. Everything I needed. In an orange drink, yeah? Sobo had it. Now I'm drinking this freshly squeezed orange juice. That tastes so disgusting. And I just thought, no, this is not for me. And I remember having cheese for the first time as well. 
when I came to the UK and it just wasn't for me. But anyway, we landed now and I'm thinking, rah, everything, just everything just felt so different. It felt so different. It felt so new. The air felt different. But, you know, I just couldn't put it into words then. And again, I didn't realize that my life was about to change literally forever. So we now leave uh, the airport. We do everything we need to do. We get in the car and it was cold. (laughs) I came in September. It was cold. I did not enjoy the cold. But there was one thing that I did realize and I remember looking around and thinking, rah, rah, they've taken their time here because the roads were tired, it was paved, like the, like everything just seemed quite meticulous. And that's not to say that Malawi, well, actually, no, let me not even chat. From what I remember of Malawi, there was tar roads, but then there was also dirt roads that branched off. Not every single road was tarred. Do you know what I mean? And you rarely find that here. So everything just seemed so meticulous. It just seemed so put together. It just seemed thought about. And I just thought, wow, this is amazing. Right? But then I also just, at the same time, I was thinking, it's freezing. Right? It feels different here. The air feels cooler. I just, I don't know. It just felt a little bit, I don't know. I just didn't love it, I suppose, as much as I thought I would. Now, when we first came to the UK, we ended up living with uh, family friends. Um, and my dad was living in halls. He was a student because we, we moved to the UK because he came to study theology. He was a pastor in Malawi and, you know, he's still considered a pastor now. It's just he's not a practicing one. But he lived in student halls and my mum lived there as well because there was a particular building where married couples could stay. So me and my little brother stayed with the family friends and we had to sleep in the lounge. It is what it is. Beggars can't be choosers. And it was actually fine. The next day waking up again, I kept on thinking everything feels different. Everything feels brand new. But if I can describe a feeling that I felt was also Mm, a little bit nervous like a little bit nervous but a little bit excited at the same time I was just I just wanted to explore everything I just wanted to explore everything but then I was also really cautious and really nervous because I don't know this place the next day um we get given breakfast and it was like baked beans and all these things and I just remember thinking ew this is what people eat here The type of breakfast that I was used to was eating like porridge, like maize meal porridge with with some peanuts, you know, crunched up peanuts. So uh, to put it in context, like crunchy peanut butter, but like, like organic, like straight from the peanut sauce, ground up and then put into the porridge. Oh, that's what I was used to. I was used to having like, a cup of tea with some potatoes. Anyway, I I had different type of breakfast, right? And now they're serving baked beans and they're serving all these other things that I was just thinking, this is not for me. This is just not for me. It didn't taste nice to me anyway because it was a little bit bland. I wasn't used to having such bland food. 
or food that needed extreme amounts of seasoning. So it was all fresh and all new and before I got used to it. So the family friends that we were living with, they would disembark and they would go to school. And during the day, it would just be me and my little brother at home, most of the time anyway. And though I was used to having, you know, just looking after me and my little brother in Malawi, this was new to me because it was in a new place and any knock, any like creak, crunk or whatever, I was getting so shook because I don't know this land. Like I just had no idea what to do. So it was a little bit scary. And I also remember feeling a little bit jealous because I kind of wanted to go to school now. I wanted to go and see what was out there. So I had to preoccupy myself somehow. So um, I remember teaching me and my little brother how to ride a bike. Um, the family friends had this little bike um, and it was just the perfect size. And I've taught myself how to ride a bike then I taught my little brother how to ride a bike then the time came when we started school and when we started school that's when absolutely I would say my UK experience properly started because this is when I realized how different I was starting school just made me realize that where I didn't know before I didn't realize that I was different before or didn't ever think much of it because I was never treated differently Starting primary school is when I really noticed how different I was. And it was apparent in the way I got treated by peers. It was apparent in the way the teachers treated me. It was just apparent. And on top of that, I didn't know how to speak much English. And neither did my little brother, you know. We could understand what's your name. We could understand the basics, but we didn't know how to, like, communicate by actually speaking. So that was already a barrier and it was already a setback. So we were in school, we got, um, they got a tutor for us, a English tutor for us who used to pull us out of lessons, certain lessons, and she used to sit down and read with us. And like my favorite books ever to read were Biff, Chip and Kip, Chip, E, were Biff, Chip and Kipper books. They were just my favorite books to read. And I think they actually taught me how to read quite quickly. But I remember the first day of school, I actually had a good time at school, right? And in the second day of school, there was this other girl who was also black and she used to speak the fastest of all. I think she was just, she was just quick. Yeah. She was like, what's your name? What's your name? What's your name? What's your name? Every two seconds. What's your name? Whenever I tell her, she would run off and go and tell people and she'll come back. What's your name again? What's your name again? And I remember at some point I generated such a crowd that <laughs> this is probably a different deal. I found Christ or like an embarrassing one that. That anyway, I generate such a crowd, and she's like, What's your name again? And I'm like, Dawonga. They're like, What's your name? I'm like, Dawonga. What's your name again? And I'm like, Dawonga. And then the more she asked, the more I was just like, Dawonga. And I started crying. I was bawling. I was crying my eyes out. And I remember I had a teacher in year five called Mr. Hickey. <laughs> And I remember the same girl, Alex, that helped me um, navigate that piss gate situation. It's the same girl who was helping me navigate this, you know, crying on the second day of school. And she, I remember she took me into um, the building. And then <laughs> Mr. Hickey, the teacher, I was just started cuddling him. I was just hugging him. Was her. And the thing is, in Malawi, I didn't cry gracefully, right? It wasn't, I didn't, actually, let me just say this. I didn't hear a graceful cry ever. So no one cried like, <laughs> it was, oh, Mayo, Mayo Koto. So obviously 
the theatrics came out. Second day of school. <laughs> Second day of my new school in the UK. Crying because I got asked what my name was again one too many times. They didn't even read the room that I was a little bit shy, a little bit introverted. Contrary, 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 mm -hmm. contrary. As the one contrary to popular beliefs, I'm a little bit more toward to, to myself. So, you know, I'm there cuddling Mr. Hickey, and I'm no for a fact he's uncomfortable. He was genuinely uncomfortable because I remember him trying to prize himself off me, trying to flog me off to Alex. Anyway, she was a willing participant anyway. So she helped me out. And I remember just thinking, rah, rah. But again, we moved. Um, fast forward now, picking up a little bit English, learning a little bit more English. And I then was sent to an after school club one time. I did an after school club um, where I did athletics. And the guy in school, another teacher called Mr. Hunt, kind of, I think he realized that I had talent. You know what I mean? I was an athlete. I had talent. So he was like, bringing me back to these after school clubs and it was basically just ready steady go whenever I hear the word go me I was off so I think he thought yeah yeah this could be a child protege this one an athlete yeah this could be the next one but yeah I didn't apply myself because that wasn't my passion or anything but yeah did a couple of races here and there whatever so we're there now, learning a little bit of English, struggling a little bit in school because I was so different. Um, I didn't really fit in. I didn't feel like I fitted in. Like I said, on my first non-uniform day, I went in in my Saturday vest. <laughs> yeah, feeling fresh, twirling. Yeah, nobody else is dressed like that. But to me, when you are dressed nice, you're wearing your best. So that's what I was doing. Cool, whatever. And then on top of that, I wasn't English speaking. On top of that, my hair was different. You will not even believe the amount of things I've had said about what type of my hair, what kind of hair I've got and things like that. It's crazy out here, especially when you've just come from a different country where your looks, your color, everything is adored because that's where you belong, right? Now I'm in this big England and somebody's touching my hair going, ah! It feels like a microphone. Are you for real? A microphone. Are you for real? Are you serious? That's crazy. So if you deep that, there is not only just culture shock, but there's everything shock, right? There's food shock. There is absolutely just beauty standards shock. In Malawi, having short hair wasn't frowned upon. It wasn't like, oh, you got short hair. It was just the norm. But in the UK, yeah, if you're not tucking that hair behind your ear, then what are you doing? We're so obsessed with length of hair in the UK. I would say that being in primary school was the first eye-opener to what my experiences as a person will probably be in the UK, um, whether good or bad. I think that was part of the experience, if that makes sense. In year five, learning all these lessons, I, and I remember realising how much I didn't like going outside to play. I enjoyed playing, but I didn't really feel like I had friends that understood me until that is another girl, you know, another Malawian girl, her family relocated and her, her dad happened to be studying theology in the same compass that my, um, my dad was studying at. So we lived in the same place and she was black. 
and we went to the same school so we became friends quite quickly she was a year or two below me but whatever when has that ever stopped me being friends with, or anything with anybody who's younger than me so me and her used to spend so much time together I remember we had lunch boxes that were both shaped in hearts and mine was like this Barbie glitter one and hers was this pink I think Cindy one and I just remember absolutely adoring her lunchbox thinking oh my gosh I wish that was mine because I hated the fact that mine was transparent and you know what <laughs> my mom being Malawian being an immigrant being new to the country she didn't get the memo of what you can pack in a packed lunch she did not get the memo yeah I remember going into school one time and my lunchbox my hat see-through pink glitter barbie lunchbox shaped in a heart was packed with popcorn popcorn just popcorn there was nothing else but popcorn <laughs> imagine people's faces what is that and i'm thinking shut up <laughs> but that's the kind of like differences that i was coming into this is relocating is a genuine if I didn't laugh at a cry moment because I'm thinking for me to survive that leaving my comfort zone leaving my comfort people right and to come to this UK and everything starting from scratch my little quirks my looks everything was just under the spotlight you know and if it's a school the majority of the pupils in the school are white you are gonna stand out like a sore thumb you know I remember having this other guy I'm gonna name him his name was Kadesh, or his name is Kadesh. Um, I remember we lived in the same campus as well because his dad, you know, was studying at the same uni that my dad was studying at. So um, there was a, um, a place called Family Housing. That's where all the families lived. So I remember sometimes going into school with Kadesh because we we're in the same campus, black people. Our parents just got on. So, you know, carpooling, parents were helping each other out. So I remember these little white kids who literally have been knowing Kadesh longer than they've been knowing me tell me why they asked me if me and Kadesh were brother and sister so for the duration of us um of our primary school we just pretended we're just like yep yeah, yep yeah, yep yeah. because they're like oh are you two related we're just like oh yep yeah, if you say so because what the heck you know I feel like every single black person was actually banded together and we were somehow Somehow we couldn't just have met at this particular time and gotten to know each other in the UK the same way they were knowing us. Somehow we were related. Me and the girl that I was talking about, we were asked if we were related. We said we were cousins. <laughs> like, straight up, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that just mad? But yeah, so my first experience, I think that changed the trajectory of my life forever was relocation, relocating. And this is the year 2001. And I also remember going to things like school assemblies and my mum not being in the audience and not realising how deep that was for me. You know, I don't know if that makes sense. Like in Malawi, we never cared about parents showing up to anything, really. It wasn't that big of a deal, you know. But then in the UK, for some reason, now I'm going, oh my gosh, my mum isn't in, in the audience. And that started effing my head up, like slowly but surely, because it starts to like 
click in your head now. Everybody's celebrating after the play or what, after whatever it is and they're going to their parents and you don't have your parents there. But my parents were busy grafting, busy grinding because they were new to the country. So it was just like this massive double-edged sword. So moving to the UK, I would say, like felt very exciting, very nerve-wracking, very, I was very curious to see what life was going to bring. But it also felt very isolated, very lonely, very... You know, like I had to start figuring out who I was from such an early age because I was forced into a situation where I was very much different, you know? It's hard to know who you are, especially when you are the only person that, well, especially when you feel like you stand out, you know, because now you're thinking, oh my gosh, the attention is on me, you know? I always wondered why I never felt like I belonged, but it's probably because... I don't feel like I was made to feel welcome in a sense of how I've known a warm welcome to feel like. Do you know what I mean? There was cliques. There were people who had their own friendship groups. There were, you know, where the places where I would get picked with confidence to do anything or play anything was when it was in sports like athletics because they knew I was good at that, you know. But in terms of like just getting picked to play in a friendship group or to play with people, I don't think that happened for me. You know, I think I had all but three friends when I was in the in primary school when I first came to the UK, and that was Alex, um, and that was just purely because she was very very polite, and I think she was just a lovely girl to everybody. I had a friend, a family friend who I was living with, right? He was they were black, so he was also black, and obviously we were brother and sister there as well because no one believed that we couldn't be related. So there we go, and. You know, two out of three of these people were black. Come on. You know, I couldn't have, you know, do you know what I mean? Maybe it was me not knowing how to speak English that maybe put people off. I don't know. But all I know is my first experience moving to the UK was quite confusing and quite lonely um, and quite different. Like, yeah, it was quite different. I don't really remember teachers treating me like amazing either I think I was a little bit of a nuisance purely because of how much I didn't understand or how little I understood English so I think it was a little bit like oh you get it you get it but like not really a conscious effort to like teach me Um, I remember having to take up this uh, course called picker training which was introduced in a primary school so my dad saw this picker training course that I could do and a tutor used to come to the house and uh, tell me what modules or what lessons I needed to do and then I would have to go on the computer and I basically learned how to type how to use the internet any IT lessons we were paired up we were partnered up and I remember constantly constantly being partnered up with this other guy this guy the guy that I was used to end up being partnered up with didn't smell very good he used to smell very very bad he used to smell like wheat and everybody avoided him like the plague and of course right I wasn't going to get picked. And the the, the non-English speaking girl and the smelly guy got paired together every single time. And that was my first experience coming to the UK. So that's when it went down. <laughs> you started going downhill for real, for real. Um, but I think moving to the UK, now in hindsight, I'm going to end it on this. In hindsight... It has given me so much more respect for my parents because recalling my experiences and how I was feeling and how I've been, well, how I felt about all of this and looking back, 
I can only imagine my mom was just feeling anxiety, like leaving her family, leaving her friends, leaving everything she knows. Now we're on this plane. Now she's got to provide for us. Now she's literally thrown into the deep end of the workforce, jobs that she wasn't even used to doing, and my dad the same. I can imagine it was just as much of a scary experience for them, if not scarier, especially now that I've relocated from living with them in close proximity, you know, although it's not, you know, in a different country, but it's far away enough that I got the feelings of nervousness or fear and all those things. So I can only imagine how it must have felt for my parents. So for me, I was feeling all these things and that was only nine. Now for my parents who were already adults, who were already aware of everything around them, who are aware of facial expressions and what they mean, how they might have been feeling, right? So yeah, that was my first experience and, you know, all good now. I mean, I've learned the culture and I love orange juice now and I don't think people speak that fast. It's probably, it's probably me who speaks really fast. But my God, has be, has it been a lot of work to get here? My God, has it been a journey? So um, yeah, join me next time for my solo episode where I'll be continuing the journey. So as per usual, I hope you've enjoyed listening to my voice in your ears, even though it's just been me talking to myself. Thank you so much for sticking with me. If you don't forget to share, like, comment, whatever it is that you need to do, don't forget to do that. And email in if I didn't laugh, I'd cry at gmail.com. You're embarrassing if I didn't laugh, I'd cry stories. Email in and uh, I would love to read it out on the show. As per usual, I'm going to end the episode with a quote and I'm going to leave you with this. Nothing in life is to be feared. It is only to be understood. Wah, wah, wah. I'm sorry the episode is over, but please tune in next week for another exciting journey. Goodbye, goodbye, bye, bye, bye. Have good vibes. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 